welcome to the Physics Teaching Podcast, a podcast for teachers of physics, made by physics teachers. Good afternoon, evening, morning, depending on when you're listening to this. Uh, my name is Robin Griffiths, I work for the Institute of Physics now, uh, but I used to be a physics teacher, I taught in uh, State Comprehensive for nine years, and uh, still love the subject and love the idea that there are so many dedicated and wonderful professionals teaching it around the country. And my name's Thomas WP, a part-time, A-level only physics teacher. Physics in the news, Robin. Mm. Let's go straight in. Do you have anything for me? I do. I've, well, this is a, sh- a shameless... Am I okay to do a shameless plug? Is that all right? Only if it's the thing I saw this week, which is IOP Spark. Good. That was the shameless plug I was going to do, because uh, <laughs> it did launch this week. It's been a long time coming, this, and it's, it's really quite exciting, because I think the... Institute of Physics uh, for many years, and if you've worked in physics teaching for any length of time, you probably have used some IOP resources in some of your teaching. And there are some really great stuff like Teaching Advancing Physics and various other libraries of resources that the IOPs had. But they've rounded them up and represented them in a new format on a new website. And the idea is that now it's, it's a much more scalable platform that can be built on in future and you you look out there there's going to be more resources going on there and in there there is a a nice new gem did you discover the new bit i think you're asking me about misconceptions yeah absolutely there's a there's a lovely bit in there which which deals with this whole idea of misconceptions which we increasingly recognize are, are key to physics teaching if there's one thing that sets physics teaching apart from perhaps many of the other subjects it's the misconceptions that that become so embedded uh, and are so difficult to deal with but yet sometimes so essential because of of the way we model the subject and there's a whole section on those in there which is really really good yes it was uh, what's the right word providence we started the call for people to tweet at us misconceptions with hashtag tptp misconception and we, mm. we didn't get many but the iop set up a whole website to cover it interestingly though i looked up some of the things people had tweeted to us and not all of them are in the misconceptions brilliant even better and to be fair this is this is one of the reasons about sorry i'm going to going to eulogize it a bit more here but it's one of the reasons behind iop spark because it was realized that you know lots of people have lots of great ideas and there's lots of things going on and people doing bits and pieces we talked to uh, lewis the other day about the great videos he does and loads and loads of people working hard here there and everywhere and i think the idea is that iop spark's going to start to try and you know give the nod to those and start to collect resources and start to pointing to to th- th- these resources here there and everywhere and the misconceptions um section was was i think that the folks who made IOP Spark, they felt that was the most important thing to embed early early on. So I've had a, a, quite a dig in IOP Spark. I think we should say the URL. It's spark.iop.org. Mm-hmm. I like the interface. Nice and simple. It's, it's, and you just type into a search box. I did Young Modulus after last week, and there was some interesting stuff about Young Modulus. And this week I put in Forces because uh, we're going to come ah. on to forces later. Um, mm. And, yeah, I like it. It, it. And if it keeps growing, it could be an amazing resource for specialists and yeah. non-specialists. Yeah, this is, and, and that's very much the idea, is, is that, that we build on it. Uh, I think there's plans. I mean, I hope I'm not giving away too much. I think there's plans in the offing for things like diagnostic questioning and stuff like that to, to find its way in here. So keep an eye on it, keep up to date with it, and, and uh, keep watching. Good things to come. Yeah, it looks a great resource, and I look forward to using it. Uh, now, this week, we are doing something which is, again, slightly different, I think. When we started the podcast, I had sort of ideas about what we'd do, one of which I thought would be 
talking about really basic stuff like how we would teach X. We haven't really done mm. that. And, and we've the survey's closed now. Uh, but because we did the podcast a week in advance, that we will talk about the survey next episode because uh, of time travel and wibbly-wobbly stuff that it won't actually close until... Oh, it's very confusing. Uh, but we'll talk about the, the survey next week. But <laughs> in there was um, people saying, well, what about Key Stage 3, which is a England and Wales term, which is children aged 11, 12 and 13... Mm-hmm. Well, they turn 12, 13, or 14 in the year, don't they? So it's the the, in, the kids in the first three years of secondary school in mm. the UK. Yes. And I don't think we've covered and helped or tried to help there at all. Mm. So what I would like to do today, Robin, sorry to put you mm-hmm. on the spot, is how would you teach 11-year-olds forces? And I think if we take, take take the first three lessons of teaching forces, just some really practical stuff about you know, how would you introduce it? Yeah, so it's it's interesting. I think the first thing I, I would do, and I don't know if you'd agree with this, but is to discuss, and it, it sounds really weird to say you've asked for practicals explicitly, but I think even before I would like them to even start playing around with, with force meters or anything like that, I would like them to start thinking about what a force is and that quite quite nice definition of the force that is something that changes uh, an object's motion shape or there's one other isn't there which i always forget but um the the idea that that it changes something uh, it causes a change in an object uh that is something i'd like i'd I'd like them to sort of reason and tease out because most of them sort of think they have the idea of what a force is but just to get that seed of knowledge in there and then to start some practical investigations I, I don't know does that sound right yeah I'd, I'd definitely get them to think about what a force is it's a word we use all the time but for that age child I've always started with we have a chat and I say well a force is a push a pull or a twist mm. push, and that would twist, be my yeah. first lesson is I'd, I'd we'd get to that quite quickly and I'd have a, a carousel around the room just all little things, and they have to work out where the push, the pull, or the twist is. Yeah, that's nice. I like that. And so I'd have things like, I don't know, a, a boat floating in a little tub, and I'd have ping-pong balls you can blow with straws, and I'd have, obviously, a force meters and popping toys and all sorts of things, um, just to get them, just to think, you know, is that a push, is that a pull, and where is the push, where is the pull? And, you know, you obviously have a, mm. well, not obviously, but I'd have a, a flannel to wring out, which gives you the twist, and uh, toys that you wind up to give you the twist. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're, you're much more in-depth, aren't you, in your, your definition. I, 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 I like that. Well, I don't think I put it as formally as that, and I think you're right. Because, I mean, I, I'd talk about something that changes its motion, but I do like your push-pull or twist even better. It's even simpler, more intuitive, and just gives them this idea that, that a force is going to bring about a change, which is... Um, I think crucial. Another thing I'd like to introduce them early, probably after they've had a go with some some force meters and thought about pulling for things along on the desk and you know maybe starting to think about friction, is the idea of two forces acting that you can get multiple forces acting on, on an object and and get them thinking about what happens there. Not in a relatively, not in a particularly intensive way, not in a way that sort of start to start thinking about resultant forces or what they might mean. But just to start thinking that you can actually have more than one push, pull, or twist acting on an object at the same time. Yeah, I think I would 
probably come to that in the third of my three lessons. Okay. Forces and right. combination. Because mm. usually in my second one, I talk about how what do we measure forces in. And often they know, actually. They've done it at primary school. But mm. quickly come to, well, we measure force in Newtons. And, uh, but I'd, I'd start getting them thinking about how we represent a force in my second lesson. Mm. I know you hate force goggles. We talked about that well, before. But I, I, I think I, I think hate's a strong word, but I'm, I've I've never been convinced by them. To be honest, I've never really um, got to grips. Yeah, I, I I I use the concept of force goggles, but it, again, I, I said this ages ago in the podcast. It's when you put your hands up with your little fingers in the air, you put your hands upside down over your eyes, and I, I just say, obviously, you can't see anything, but it is it makes you think about what's going on. So I would have the same experiments from the first lesson. Yeah, and I'd give them like 20 minutes to really think about it and try and draw where they think the forces are acting hmm. and that kind of leads into what you were saying about forces in combination because inevitably through that they realize there's, there's more than than one force because for the ping pong ball thing I'd, I'd make a little very simple obstacle course with just textbooks they've got to go left right left right and they have one person on each side with the straw so they kind of hmm. had to work together to push it backwards and forwards yeah um, um we used to have a really nice little canex roller coaster that our technician wendy you remember wendy the technician hello wendy mm. uh, wendy made a canex roller coaster that was really nice and it had the little chain link that, that dragged the car up to the top and then uh, gravity took it down through loop the loops and all sorts of stuff like that and that was quite a nice thing to talk through you know ask them to look at what sort of forces are acting here what what's 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 going on I think we need to tell the listener that this this was not a small object. <laughs> Do you remember? It was huge, that roller coaster. It was, wasn't it? Yes. You, you used to have to order it. Because I think it was actually bigger than Wendy, and she used to sort of come in and then emerge from underneath it as it, as it uh, yeah, it was, appeared in your classroom. It must, it must, have, been a meter, it must have been a metre long and a metre <laughs> high. At least a metre long and a metre <laughs> high. I mean, it was, I think it so. was a fantastic piece of kit used many times. Yeah, so that, but that sort of thing would be part of my carousel. So, yeah, I... Mm. Very nice. I definitely would start. I'd, I'd work towards forces in combination, but I think before you do forces, in, before I did forces in combination, I'd want to get them drawing the forces. Mm. And, and you know, if you give them twenty minutes to work and, and do three really thoroughly, then you can spend the rest of the lesson talking them through on the board and getting them to answer questions like, you know, if you draw the boat in the water, where are the for, where's the mm. forces on the boat? What are the forces on the boat? Mm. That's nice. And then if they say, I well, that's obviously a force down, you say, well, if there's a force down, the boat's sinking. That's really nice. So in the carousel bit, do, do they have to kind of take a stab at drawing the forces there or, or during that? Well, or? in the first one, it's really just a push, pull and twist. And then in the mm-hmm. second lesson, I'd have them, you know, we'd, I'd like you to, I'd say we, we represent forces by an arrow and we measure force in newtons. I think they usually know this for me. Uh, mm. And the length of the arrow is the the size of the force. So this is, I think that's conceptually quite straightforward. But then mm. it's I want you to just take in you know, twenty minutes, do three, and really think and draw the setup and where you think the forces are, what they look yeah. like. Nice, nice. Yeah, no, I do, I do like. And would they revisit their carousel activity at that point? Do you? Would you? Oh, sorry, I'm probably getting into too much detail here, but. No, I mean, I'd, I'd have the same carousel activity as the previous lesson. It makes the chits easier, and um, mm. they're familiar with it. You know, it's that yeah. familiarity is useful sometimes. 
Well, definitely, because I, I, I like that idea of you know, revisiting something they've seen already and saying, well, you, you saw this before and now you've built up your knowledge a bit and now you can say a bit more about this. You can say something a bit more meaningful. And I think that's a really, that's a really nice physics-y thing. Yeah, we started off, we made some observations, we've theorised a, a way of looking at it, we've theorised a way that this works. Now we're going and backing and revisit, we're going back to revisit what we've learned before and we're looking at that under in this new light of what we what we know now and we're able to, able to say something a little bit more detailed and a little bit more granular. I think I wouldn't go to that level of kind of uh, uh, explicit laying that out to year 11 uh, to age 11 to to 14 kids but on the other hand i just think it's a really nice pattern of of science if you like to go through you know it's, it's, it's a nice scientific process if i'm allowed to mention a level at this point i've done that this year with with springs i, I deliberately held back materials until i just before i taught shm and nice. then we we uh worked out k using hook's law worked out the stiffness constant using hook's law and then a couple of weeks later with the same springs which they'd named i particularly like bruce springsteen um <laughs> they measured they measured k using shm lovely and uh within uncertainty they were the same value which was really nice great i'm going to point here if it's okay and i'll put these in the show notes where this is but there's um some rather lovely resources uh, come out from the university of york's science engine uh, science education group or UISEG. i don't think that's the, the, the i don't think they say that but but i always think of that when they when they give the acronym and they've got some really lovely stuff on on forces they've got some nice teacher notes some powerpoints some uh, pictures and 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 also some diagnostic questions on forces uh, that really and just to make the distinction what a diagnostic question is is just one that really does reveal a misconception if there is one so all of the answers to a diagnostic question they're usually multiple choice all of them are some at some level feasible but the ones that the kids choose reveal something about any misconceptions that they might have so so they're quite handy so um university of york science uh, education group best evidence science teaching best and there's some resources that are available from uh, STEM Learning's website. So I'll put that in the show notes. I wanted to ask you how you introduce forces in combination and how deep you'd go with that. So I, I would like to... So one of the big misconceptions is this idea of when something is moving, that it must have a force acting on it. So I think to get to that, they need to understand that the reason that misconception gets embedded is because everything they see or everything they tend to experience in the world is subject to some sort of resistive force, some sort of, of uh, force like drag or friction or something like that that slows it down. So they think that the natural state for objects is to slow down and stop. Whereas, in fact, what we're going to sell them is the idea that the natural state for objects is to carry on in the state that they were when they started. And to do that, you have to get up, build up the idea that even when something is stationary, it can still have multiple forces acting on it. And certainly when something is moving, it can have multiple forces acting on it. And getting this idea of balanced forces and the idea of balanced forces making something move or if something is moving, that it'll carry on doing what it was doing before, and if it's stationary, it'll just carry on being stationary. So I, I would try and introduce that. I think it's such a, a, an important and key misconception. Whether everybody would get it, I don't know, but I think I would try and, and get that in there at this stage. Because yeah, I think that's the, the natural end point of my th the third lesson, if we're talking about this triplet, as I do mm. 
forces in combination as a you know following up from the plenary in the previous lesson and that would lead into balanced forces i think i'd probably do a tug of war in that lesson mm, um, nice and i might I might introduce newton meters and the idea of when you if you put three newton meters joined by string and you pull them in a y shape that well it's not moving but they're not all reading the same number i think that's a that's a conceptually hard thing for the kids i like putting that sort of thing in front of them and getting them thinking hmm. well, that and that that's a balanced force but the forces aren't the same so that there's there's something in that but i think i'd probably for 11 year olds i'd end up with just one force going in each direction yes i think that's where i'd, I'd be tempted to end as well just the fact that you've got two forces that are equal opposing each other and so the object just carries on doing whatever it was doing and, and that, that that i'd try and start introducing that terminology at that stage um as well the object carries on doing whatever it was doing before just to get them used to the idea that, that there's nothing special in the world of physics between the case of being stationary and the case of being in motion relative to something and i like to say i wouldn't be explicit about that but it's just to introduce that idea yeah I think, yeah, I think after the first three lessons, I'd be looking at what you said about challenging that misconception of of the arrow flying through the air is pushed along by Apollo, which is what the ancient Greeks thought. Lovely, that's um, great, isn't it? Yes, I used to think that there was, they invented a god for it. I remember Carol Kenrick when she was on many many moons ago, talking about her physics fairy. Her physics fairy is obviously the equivalent of Apollo. Um, uh, and and the physics fairy was that that I think what what she used to try and introduce the idea that that there was nothing there you know f- fairies are not real there's something that we we wish um, uh, into existence and and so yeah there's a fairy in existence pushing these things along you know the tennis ball travelling over the net is is subject to the physics fairy but the physics fairy doesn't exist so there is no force pushing it over the net it's just carrying on doing what it was doing when it got when it left the the tennis racket. There was something else I thought I was thinking. Oh, yeah, the the, the next thing I'd, I'd eventually get to the difference difference between mass and weight, which which that's a that's a huge misconception I think about that that weight is a force. The kids don't don't get it. You can tell them weight's a force. They don't see weight as a force, and they certainly don't see it as a weight as a force that only acts downwards towards the center of the Earth. Absolutely, you're absolutely right, and this is one of the things that, um, funny enough, when when just talking about it a minute ago, the the best evidence science teaching, when uh, Mary Whitehouse, when I was at one of her sessions at uh, the rugby physics meeting the other week, uh, and she was talking about this, and she said something about misconceptions. She goes, and the thing is, you'll go through all the questions, and you'll do all the stuff, and you'll 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 do the diagnostic question, and you'll swear blind that they've got it, but she goes, they haven't, they still don't believe you, and they still think <laughs> exactly that 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 weight is is something that's in inherently a property of of stuff and and you and all this sort of stuff the distinction between mass and weight is a really hard one to come up with one of the nicest ones you mentioned this ages ago and i think it bears repeating was the thing about the kicking the football on the moon so you've got a football made out of lead yes and i incorrectly gave that to um my mentor and my teaching practice peter warren and it was actually professor messer in the in the johnson book physics for you that's ah, where it came okay. from and uh, it's Professor Messer actually literally a cartoon of him kicking a rock on the moon. But yes, mm. that is that's a good one for mass and weight, definitely.
So this is the thing, and just to quickly recap it, so to make sure I can remember it, was the idea that you would talk about, you, you set the kids the problem, and this is, this is a great diagnostic question because it's a real misconception revealer. You'd say to the kids, okay, there's, there's a, a football, that I've got a, a big heavy rock and I've painted it like a football, and, and um, obviously if I, if I kick that here on Earth, it's really, really going to hurt. But if I put it on the moon and kick it there, what happens? And everybody would say, oh, well, you won't get hurt because gravity is much, much less on the moon, but of course... Well, there's no air on the moon, so there's no gravity. (laughs) 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 Nice one. Um, And again, all these misconceptions that you can then reveal. But of course, actually what it is, is because you are um, doing the same amount of acceleration with your foot on that object, whether it's on the, the, the moon or on the surface of the Earth, it's going to hurt like a goodness knows what in both locations. So that, that, as I recall, F equals MA still still applies. I think my, my mm. setup was a little bit more imaginative and people have to go back and listen to that. I think that was the Jelly Chair episode. Um, mm. Now, I wanted to ask you about if, if a non-specialist, say a geography teacher, was listening to this and they are listening to us talk about how we'd get the kids to draw arrows to the forces. I'm not sure the non-specialists I've spoken to would be feeling super confident about getting those arrows in the right place, which might lead them to avoid doing a little carousel like that. So what advice could we have for them? So I think advice I'd always give to non-specialists, if you're not too sure about these things, is do head uh, online. I've already mentioned um, Best Evidence Science Teaching, and there are some resources in there again with solutions and teacher notes to to help you uh, through that use resources that other people have have worked with use your textbooks lean on those sorts of things where you know or you at least have i say this you know some of the textbooks are really ropey but most of them you can be really confident of the uh, examples there and you can be confident of what the drawings have so lean on those if if you're not confident and please please don't don't be too scared don't worry and you know, with the kids a lot of the time if you explain that you're not a specialist physics teacher and you hit something that flummoxes you don't try and bluff it just say to the kids i'm sorry you know that that's not my geography is my main thing i'm I'm absolutely happy to uh, tell you what happens in eutrophication or (laughs) the rock cycle but this sort of stuff is is a bit alien to me and my experience of teaching biology was that the kids are incredibly forgiving of that so don't don't worry too much i i think that's extremely good advice I'd, i'd also add to that that if you're thinking about how the forces apply to an object there's a limited selection of examples they're all pretty much the same now floating and sinking is a bit different but me blowing on a ping pong ball is the air crashing into the ping pong ball pushing on the ping pong ball you can draw an arrow for that uh the weight of you know a a popping toy jumping into the air you can imagine the arrow making the popping pushing up on the toy and then I'd say I think I'd say what you said that you know it doesn't matter if you can't don't get it right because you're not a specialist and as long as you're honest with the kids they are wonderfully forgiving. Yeah, and and as you so rightly say, just stick to um, situations where where there aren't huge numbers of complex forces acting. And I know it's easy to say that because we we're able to judge what what are complex situations. But if you find yourself getting out of your depth, just apologise, withdraw, and go back to a nice simple um, example like. 
I don't know, a, a book sitting on a table or a, a, a rubber duck floating or something like that. And if you're lucky enough to work in a school where there is more than zero physics teachers, please mm. ask them because I suspect they could sketch you a few examples quickly that would set you on your way. And lovely technicians as well. Don't forget that those those folks, yeah, oftentimes if, if they're, they're physics spe- specialists, will know the, their forces and, and they'll be able to help you out with that sort of thing. So um, they're, they're more than happy to help. Okay, so that's us busking through teaching forces. I, I hope it's been helpful. Well, I think particularly, I've got to say, I think particularly for the non-specialists there, they'll, they'll realise that, that, you know, we're supposedly a couple of seasoned pro-physics teachers and, you know, we're sitting there going, oh, well, I think I'd do something like this. So, you know, we're, nine times out of ten, we're making this stuff up as we go along. So, you know, it's, it's, it's all fine, you know. It's, Only it's nine. It's all good. <laughs> with the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> 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 done 30 so far. Not sure how many of those I haven't been making up as I go along. Um, yeah. Now's not the time to plug the uh, the questionnaire, is it? But we go. No, it's too late to shut now. <laughs> um, I would say that the answers in the questionnaire have been very positive. Thank you. Uh, 100% mm. that we should carry on, which is a bit daunting. Yeah, both of them said that. 24, 23, if you don't include Patrick at the moment. Yeah. Um, when we started the podcast, Robin, we had three criteria for continuing. I think you probably remember them number one was being the first hit if you search physics teaching podcast mm, we achieved that in about three weeks didn't we it was amazing how quickly that happened the second one was that we wanted to do it uh, and we felt we could cope with continuing and the third one was 200 listeners each week because we thought with the gearing each person teaching about 150 people that makes what 30,000 kids Yep, uh, if my math is right. And um, we've been close to 200, but we, and then that's 200 in the week the episode comes out. We can beat 200 with your help. Please tell another teacher about it, tell a physics teacher about it, and see if we can blow through that 200. And then Robin and I will feel very empowered for a second yeah. season. Yeah, I think we, we sort of, we've, we've got a listenership now, which is. A happy few, a band of brothers and sisters, um, and we, we just need to extend the, the the reach now. And so, if you can, please, you, you were lucky enough to sort of stumble across the podcast through through Twitter and through optimistic use of your your podcast app or whatever it was. So, please now go out and spread the word. You're our evangelists now. Go out into the wilderness and tell of the greatness that is to come. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but what slightly scared me is that nearly half of people have listened to every single episode, and that's 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 commitment. That is real commitment, and I take my hat off to you. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, goodness me, thank you so much. I'm humbled and and you know more than a little worried about you. So do try and get out over the summer. <laughs> yeah, if you want, if you want to worry us even more, you could buy a t-shirt. <laughs> yes, oh yeah, I, I shipped the the um, vacuum cannons. Ray. Thanks, Robin. It's been fun, as usual. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Thomas. And don't forget, please do get in touch uh, at PhysicsTP on Twitter, which is the, the, the king of connections, because that's where we get most of our listeners from. And if we, if we don't get Twitter, people email us, contact at thephysicsteachingpodcast.com. And I'll that's tell you what, Robin, one of the questions was, would you be interested in being on the podcast? Two-thirds of respondents did. So we got, that's at least another 12 episodes in the bag 
It, it's rather lovely, actually. I, get, I keep getting people say to me, oh, they should be on the podcast. I think, yeah, they should be. And, and I was telling you about Mary Whitehouse, whose um, uh, session I saw at uh, rugby the other day. And she would be superb on the podcast because she was really entertaining. That thing about misconceptions did make me laugh. So she, was, uh, she will be uh, fantastic if we, if we can get her. So more to come. But if you could give us some feedback uh, on how you feel that this episode went because we've rather busted it there but we're trying to we're thinking about other ways of doing the podcast that help people hopefully and make it easier to produce uh, please give us some feedback twitter or email or there's a form on the website the.physicsteachingpodcast.com and if you want a lovely t-shirt com slash shop yay right uh, we should end there thanks a lot Robin have a good evening thank you Thomas I'll catch you next week Thank you for listening to the Physics Teaching Podcast with Robin Griffiths and me, Thomas W.P. The podcast is produced and edited by me, Thomas W.P. If you want to be on or think you have something you'd like us to cover, please contact us. Contact at thephysicsteachingpodcast.com or through the website, the.physicsteachingpodcast.com or Twitter at physicsdp. Thanks for listening and we'll speak to you next week.